Welcome to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to a conversation with Dr. Lee Merritt. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Wednesday, July 26th in the year 2023. Patriots, before we begin tonight, I need to make an announcement. Friday. Bended Knee and Bards FM are canceled, but just so we understand this, Bended Knee Friday is usually our prayer Friday, so I'm moving it to Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific, which is 11 a.m. Eastern, okay? But no shows, Bended Knee or, or Bards FM on, on Friday, because I'll be picking up a big walk-in freezer for the butchery here on the property. So that's that's what that is about. So just I don't want to forget saying it because everyone needs to know. Share it with friends and family. Make an announcement from the mountaintops. That way nobody will be disappointed. There we go. That's good. Easy done. No problem. Fix that quick. You know, the one thing we're learning more and more as we discuss, as we discover what's in this bioweapon is that there is something greater than just mRNA. In fact, what you're going to hear tonight is Dr. Lee Merritt's not even sure that mRNA is really active in it that all of this ultimately comes down to parasites and parasitic attacks on the human body. And I talked about that in a few shows ago, the triad of the parasitic attack on the human body. And she's going to talk a lot about that tonight. Now, just to highlight this as well, tomorrow we have another great interview. I just want to let you know to pay attention to that because that's going to be Commander Rob Green, who's going to be talking about the, the bioweapon attack from inside the military and what it's taken for them to stand up again, resist that tyranny. But tonight, we're focused on some great conversations with Dr. Lee Merritt. And as you know, when she comes on this show, you just got to buckle up. Now, Patriots, one thing right now to pay attention to is the U.S. dollar. It is getting ready to go through a major shaking. We are just days away from the Durban Accords, which is literally the greatest threat to the U.S. dollar's global dominance in the past 80 years. On August 22nd, BRICS nations, which is Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, are expected to announce the launch of a new international supercurrency fully backed by gold and other commodities. This is part of their long-term plan to supplant the U.S. dollar and other elements of its power as cornerstones of the global financial system. Now, you need to protect your IRA, your 401k from the fallout of this incredible and very poor announcement for us. Good for them, I guess. Diversity with gold from Birch Gold Group is the answer. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which that would qualify for right now, definitely. So if you want to get a free info kit on gold IRAs and make a decision to put yourself in a tax shelter retirement account backed by physical precious golds, precious gold, this is the time to do it. So all what you need to do is text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. That's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898. And this is a literally a monumental shift that's happening globally. So take it very seriously. It's going to control literally a third of the world's GDP. So 
As it kicks off on August 22nd, arm yourself with information to protect your retirement savings. Text BARDS to the number 989898 and claim your free info kit from Birch Gold Group today. There you go. Get on that. Just start texting it right away. Shouldn't be like a flurry of phones out of here right now. Texting 989898. It's all good. We do have crazy stuff going on. And what we are discovering more and more is that we're dealing with an attack on the human body, which is breaking us down into deep, dark levels, wearing us down and trying to parasitically drain us into nothing and ultimately compliance into their transhumanist slave agenda. What that should tell you is on the flip side of that is the human body is so resilient that it's taking generations and layers and layers of attack to be able to make us succumb to their will. Tonight, we're going to talk about a whole range of things. We're going to talk about the carnivore diet. We're going to talk about parasites, and we're going to get into optogenetics, which is a new topic for us, most of us, and to really understand the range of the threat. But at the center point of all of this really is our focus on God and our strength that comes to our centering in him. And I don't say that lightly because that literally affects our frequency, vibration, and energy, which is what they're trying to drain down. So keep that in mind. So one more thing before we get going tonight, and that is to make sure you definitely have a strong defense plan for your home and your skills are tight. Patriots, right now, many Americans are feeling powerless. The economy isn't stable, crime continues to plague our communities, and those in charge don't seem to even care. There's something empowering about knowing that you have the skills to defend yourself, and that's why I endorse iTarget Pro. This revolutionary system allows you to dry fire practice with your actual firearm anytime in the safety and privacy of your home. No more inconvenient trips to the range, and you still have a ton of practice ammo. Just download iTarget's proprietary app, load the laser bullet into your firearm, and start your training experience. Improve muscle memory, increase reaction speed, sight alignment, trigger control, and more. iTarget Pro comes in all the major calibers, including 223, so that you can stay sharp with almost any firearm. Save 10% plus get free shipping with the offer code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, when you go to iTargetPro.com right now. Again, 10% using your promo code BARDS, plus free shipping when you go to itargetpro.com. Don't rely on the government to make you feel safe. Empower yourself with iTargetPro. That's the letter I, targetpro.com, itargetpro.com. Offer code is BARDS. Hey, Patriots, one last thing. Don't forget we're in the end of a three-day sale for CB Distillery, cbdistillery.com. They've got all their products if you use the special code VIP. Most of their products are on sale at 50% off. So use a special code, and I think that ends tonight, just so you know. All right, Patriots, without further ado, here is Dr. Lee Merritt. Well, Patriots, today, another great day for interviews because we have Dr. Lee Merritt on. We haven't had her on for a while, and she's always a blast to have on. We always have such great conversations. And today I know where we're starting, and we're going to start on the topic of parasites. So buckle up, because I don't know where this is going to take us, but I guarantee it's going to be a good one all the way through. So Dr. Merritt, how are you today? Hey, good. Thank you very much. So let's talk. Now, are we, by the way, are we talking about the uber parasites that rule the world? Or are we talking about <laughs> internally damaging parasites? Maybe they're the same, actually. I, I think they're probably the same, to tell you the truth. I don't think there's any difference. I mean, they're probably one species that deals with it all. Let's, let's start talking about the parasitic Infection. I'm going to kind of preface this with you because you probably don't know this, but we, I recommend 
your treatment to so many people, your protocols on parasites, which I think is just absolutely cutting edge. One, it's fundamentally simple, but it's it's radically different than the way medicine would typically treat, and it's curing a lot of things. And then as we started to talk about at the beginning of the show, before we started, I'm on this carnivore diet right now, which has really opened my eyes to a lot of the pieces you and I have talked about a lot over the last six to eight months. And reading how people react to the carnivore diet, they talk about it in about two-week period, they get what they call carb flu, which in profile is everything that you've discussed as when you do a parasitic purge, all that thing. So I, I really think when we get into most of our diseases that we're dealing with, and you and I have talked about this, I personally think we are dealing with two types of parasites. I did a show the other night on the third type, which we can talk about in a bit. But the two primary parasites are what we call the organic type and then the spiritual parasite, which is there. And then, of course, we have the cultural parasitic world. That's the third one, of which is technology, essentially, all the things it does to drain us down and become worthless. But anyway, which let's start with the diet and we'll move out from there. Well, yeah, uh, and, and it's kind of funny. I'll just preface my remarks by saying it's kind of funny that as an orthopedic and spinal surgeon for 35 years of my life, suddenly I'm the queen of parasites. But I didn't ever expect this, and I'm not saying I deserve this. But the, but the problem is the guys who should be here speaking about this and who should be the experts are basically working for the cabal. The infectious disease guys have gone over to the dark side for the most part. I'm not, that's not, a, that's not a, a bad thing for every, I know there are a lot of innocent guys out there that are infectious disease, but I would just tell you, wake up and look at your specialty because those guys, they, they've been lying to you. If, if you don't understand it, then they've been lying to you as well as to me because they told us in medical school, oh, parasites, they're a third world country problem. We'll teach you about them kind of, but, but you'll never have to deal with it. They're a third world country problem. It's just not true. And we're finding out so many things now that are related to, are not just related to parasites, are 100% caused by parasites like MS. Finally, you know, Dr. McDonald, a pathologist, a good, competent, thinking person, not just a, a guy that does knee-jerk, you know, protocols, decided to really look at MS patients. Ted, 10 dead MS patients, 100% of them had parasites. And that's a huge, huge deal because you know, we've been, I'm a spine surgeon and for years, I mean, I was before I was cancel culture, but the, but for, for years, essentially, you know, I'd see people with neurologic problems and some people wouldn't, I mean, they, they, they'd send them to me because their doc thought it was a spine problem, but then I'd see them, I'd say, no, this is, this is a more complicated neurologic issue. Let's look for MS. And so I would send them off for an MRI of their brain and their spinal cord. And it would come back sometimes, yes, there was MS based on the fact that they had these plaques, these discolorations seen on the MRI of their brain and their spinal cord. But, you know, we never took it the next step to say, what the hell are those plaques? You know, what are those things? Well, it turns out that Dr. McDonald started doing very, and it, and it isn't something you're going to see. Uh, one of the problems too, and I think this is not by accident, is that they've disincentivized doing autopsies. You know, the joke in medicine is pathologists know everything but too late. They're the guys that really understand the, the pathology, the, the pathogenesis of disease if we allow them to do their job. But they don't, people, we've made it so expensive and so hard to get autopsies, it isn't getting done. But he took 10 patients and he very carefully, you know, sectioned the, 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 the specimens, the, the brain and things to find this. It isn't something you'd find easily. So he did it very carefully. And now he's looking at dementia, finding similar findings in dementia. I mean, in the MS patients, he literally found uh, in some 
nematode wormholes in the brain where the plaques were. I mean, it wasn't like it was gross. It wasn't it wasn't subtle. But most of the time it was very subtle. So so what's really been going on here, I would say, is that this is a, a huge problem. Um, if you look at the CDC website, it's interesting that they and I, I always say that saying I looked at this a few months ago and who knows if they you know jigged it since I looked at it and talked about it. But they talk about toxoplasmosis and they say that over 45, I think it was 45% of Americans or more have toxoplasmosis and probably in the brain. Now, and we know that toxoplasmosis causes psychiatric type illness. So, and de depression and all sorts of stuff. When were they going to tell us that? You know, all this preventive medicine stuff, they try and ram down our throat. Oh, go get your, you know, your, your breast x-ray, you know, squeezed and x-rayed every year and stuff that haven't been shown to make a big difference. Do you think it might've been helpful to tell us we should start treating parasites? Of course it would have, which says to me, we are, that's, this is a purposeful thing. And that's why I do associate the Uber parasites with these. If they didn't plant them in this world, they certainly allowed us to be taken down with them. And, um, and, and the ID guys should have recognized this in my opinion. This is really huge. And it's something that gets us into so many different diseases, from cancer to some, like you said, the neurological issues. It gets us into physical, uh, like autoimmune issues. That's a big one. And even uh, as I'm working through, as we talked briefly, just kind of experiencing this path in the, the carnivore diet, there is no doubt that there's toxins that are being removed from the body. Just by virtue of, you know, I told you that my pain on my left hip is gone which is the first time in literally 14 or about, about nine or 10 years or more since 2014. So, yeah. And go ahead. Well, I was going to say there are a couple of ways I could explain that. And the first one really is that um, when, when you have parasites in the body, the, the parasites have to be encased. In other words, your body tries to keep them under control. I, I kind of think of it like the Roman legion guarding the, the ever-expanding borders of Rome until at some point they couldn't do it. And these the Visigoths got in and started attacking them. So your body has an ever-expanding amount of parasites over your lifetime. And, it, and at some point, they kind of exceed, they're taxing the body's um, uh, military you know, uh, sentries, they're taxing your immune system to keep them under control. And so what's happening is people that get autoimmune disease, uh, that is because they've got so many parasites that their body now has on high burn to try and get rid of it. So it's it's hyperimmune. So that's what the autoimmune syndrome is really about. And, and that is why, by the way, um, why do we treat uh, autoimmune disease like, like lupus and like rheumatoid arthritis with hydroxychloroquine? Okay, because hydroxychloroquine is an antiparasitic. Now, they don't do it right. That's the problem. They do it constantly. And if they had if they cycled it, then they'd probably make people better. But they they give you a constant dose. And what happens there is it treats the mother parasites and maybe some more, but it doesn't let all these cysts hatch out, hatch out. So your body still has to keep this encased. And that's what causes the inflammation as it gets away. Now, I will tell you the other thing on the carnivore diet, obviously, is you're getting rid of toxins that we know also would do this. Years ago, there was an article in, I believe it was Scientific American, and it was autoimmune disease caused by uh, wheat or gluten. Now, it really isn't, turns out to be the gluten, but it, wheat in our diet is probably the number one killer of, of us. You know, again, when you look at the, the, the guys running the show here, 
uh, after before World War II, the wheat was not the semi-dwarf wheat. It was normal native wheat. And semi-dwarf wheat has too many chromosomes. So it's not natural. God didn't make semi-dwarf wheat. That's what we all get today. The second thing is um, the wheat was stabilized with iodine. Iodine on the periodic table of chemistry is the good halide. It's the thing your thyroid needs, your breast needs, your prostate needs, your prostate needs, everything needs to be healthy. But they cleverly replaced it with bromine, which is a toxic halide. It stays in you. It gets in you. It, in, it inhibits the iodine from being absorbed. It inhibits it from being used in the body. So therefore, you're, we're getting an outbreak of thyroid disease and all this stuff. And beyond that, wheat actually, the, it's the gliadin in the wheat, actually cause little pores to develop in your bowel. So little holes so that this, this toxic slew on the inside of your gut because now it's the other thing it does this the 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 uh, i should back up and say wheat is killed with glyphosate roundup unlike other things like soybeans yeah they use glyphosate in the fields but let's let's be honest it's how you use the glyphosate it's not just an all or none thing and when you use it we use it for for example soybeans it's long gone from the plant and from anything around it by the time you harvest it but not true with wheat. With wheat, they actually spray the wheat with glyphosate to kill it, so they can um, so they can they can harvest it easier. So it gets into you. It's probably the number one source of glyphosate. And 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 what that does is it has toxins that kill off your good bacteria and leave the toxic stuff. So it makes a toxic slurry in your gut. Now. The other point about wheat is it makes these little pores, these little holes in the gut. So now you have this toxic slurry of, of you know, one of it's called um, lipopolysaccharide, LPS. This chemical that gets out into the bloodstream through these pores and floats around. And they've shown that as your risk of dementia and all these other bad things happen, uh, LPS is going up, like uh, ALS syndrome, dement uh, Alzheimer's, and I think even maybe MS. I'm not sure about that one. As the disease gets worse, your your LPS goes up. So essentially, what I'm telling you is wheat is so toxic. It's the equivalent. If you if you like eating wheat, just consider what you're really doing. It's like you put Drano in your toilet and then you connect it to your drinking water. That's essentially what you're doing. And I don't think people should be doing that. So getting rid of that has made a huge difference. Absolutely. Well, let's. What about sourdough, though? Because sourdough changes the nature of the wheat, and it also, through its fermentation process, is that changing anything that we're talking about here? No, unfortunately not. You know, the problem is it's still, the sourdough comes after the fact, and the toxins are in the wheat part that have been, it's a toxin, and the sourdough doesn't detoxify the glyphosate. As far as I know, it doesn't detoxify the glyphosate and everything. I think that the, I mean, and I, I can't cite study. I'll, I could actually look that up, but the, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like that could work because you're not getting rid of the bromine, for example. You're not getting rid of the glyphosate, and you're not changing the genetic abnormality of the basic food stuff. I mean. In general, I would say if God, if, if as Jack LaLanne used to say, if man-made it, don't eat it. And when you eat any wheat today, you're eating a man-made Frankenstein product. Have you looked and see if there's any heirloom wheats that are available? Well, see again, we here's the here's the bottom line. Why are you doing the carnivore diet? Because at the end of the day, we are not meant to be wheat eaters. We are meat eaters. 
we are carnivores. You know, we're some, we, we can, we can be omnivores. What we are not very good at is being vegetarian or, or vegan, of course. But, uh, and I, and I get it when people have religious things, I don't try and argue it with them, but from a total health perspective, there's no benefit to those diets. And, um, for long-term, you know, wellness. And and I have to, I just would say, I wouldn't go to the ancient wheat or any wheat. It's just better to eliminate it. In fact, the wheat of the Bible, by the way, people always cite the Bible, but think about it. They were feeding, the Pharaoh was feeding his slaves with the wheat. So if you look at the, you know, I don't know if you've ever followed this thing. There's a thing on Telegram called Beer and Donuts. There's a long history of the Uber Lords feeding their serfs with things that are bad for them, but easy to easy to produce that are that are uh, that are uh, carb rich and kind of fill people up, you know. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, I think that's what's amazing when you start to look at how much impact there is on the body with something as simple as a shift to the carnivore diet and how fast it can happen. I mean, we right. hear the testimonies all over the place um, of people curing autoimmune diseases. Um, curing long-term pains or even one testimony of one girl was in so much pain she could hardly walk or nearly paralyzed. These are, what did, What do you think is causing that? Is that the toxins? Is it a combination of toxins and parasites? What is it? You mean the why they get better after they do the carnivore diet? Well, what's what's causing them to get these extreme situations? Is it a combination of toxins and parasites, you think? Oh, yeah. In the, in the standard American food? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a horrible diet. And, you know, I watched it happen when I when I was 50, I, I did the anti-aging program at the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine. It took me like five years. But uh, basically, I, I, w- I woke up to this and then I started watching and I started seeing things, you know, like I would see a family coming out of a uh, pizza place. Now, we had just been there and gotten some gluten free pizza. I'm not saying we don't every once in a while have some some carbs, but we went in and we had some gluten free pizza and and that was it. But we watched this family come out and it was like four kids and the parents. The parents are grossly obese. The senior child is is fairly obese. It's like obesity just is a stair step progression with age now in our country. You can just see it. And um, I remember being in Europe. Oh, what, 20 years ago, before they accepted our semi-dwarf wheat and before they accepted the GMO potatoes, I don't know how long ago that was, they didn't, they weren't having that happen like we were, but now they are. I was back a few years ago. Uh, my husband had a, had a thing in, in uh, Barcelona and I sat, I would, while he was in the meeting, I would sit and have a little cava and, uh, and, and, and meat. It was great, the the, uh, the Iberian pork. Anyway, I would just sit there and watch people, and they're having this. It's like 50% of them are obese now. It's like us. Wow. It's sad to see. But this is this is the, the you know, this is what Weston A. Price said years ago. He was a dentist, and most people listening to this program probably know who he was. And he went around the world looking at native diets and found out that within within about 10 to 15 years, and I've heard 17, depends on where they are, that after you institute the Western diet, a lots of stuff happens. You know, people be you get diabetes, you have facial deformities. He noticed teeth getting rotten. You know, before people had broad faces and perfect teeth, uh, like Cro-Magnon man. You know, we have a fossil record that that supports what you're saying about the carnivore diet. The fossil record shows that Cro-Magnon man was you know like almost seven feet tall with perfect bones and perfect teeth. The only 
Cro-Magnons with cavities were those who lived in areas of acorns because they were getting the carbohydrate-rich acorns caught in their teeth. But in in uh, the Mamelukes in Egypt, who were the the warrior class that they were, but they were feeding them bread and fruits, this kind of vegan type diet that, uh, you know, maybe with a little meat, so we'll call it a, a severe vegetarian diet, but much like what a lot of people are touting today. And in their fossil record, they were short statured. They had rotten bones and rotten teeth. Um, you know, I just, it, it's, there's so much evidence out there. In fact, um, uh, what was the protein power it was by EADS. There are two doctors that are married to each other, E-A-D-E-S. They had a book years ago that came out. It was called Protein Power. And it was really, it goes through this historic and, and archaeologic record. Very interesting stuff. And it's, it's that is what, we are we are not meant to to eat tofu and you know you know arugula now having said that i got to say my only problem with the carnivore diet is maybe it's just cuz i like to garden but i like parsley and i like um i like kale a lot and i tell you i've i've had so many experiences where i i took some kale and it got me i felt like it it made me well again i was just i wasn't feeling good i takes i don't know it's not enough it's just that's anecdotal but i just don't want to get rid of all my greens i don't feel quite right getting rid of all of them now i think his point and i have the book but i haven't read it as thoroughly as i should i isn't the point here that um plants make toxins for the lack of a better term toxins to ward off you know other other predators but it's mostly the problem is mostly when you unearth the whole plant it's not it's not taking for example the fruit's not a problem uh in the sense that you can eat an apple or you can eat a uh tomato right isn't that isn't that the point is that you don't want to eat root vegetables mostly the way i'm hearing reading through it is one it's body dependent number one which i think is fair enough to say and they advocate a 90 day period to allow your body to restore and rebuild and then to make a decision at that point to start introducing some things at your will. Some people just choose not to go back. Some people, right, right. and, that's, and okay. that's their choice. Others go to what would be more approximate of a keto diet is where they arrive at. And a lot of it is proportion. So the big thing about the carnivore diet is, which is hard to get used to because you're at 50% fat, 50% meat. And that, that's a big mix. So if you're, if you're doing too much protein and not enough fat, your, your body's not going to feel right. And right. And you're not really on a low carb diet at that point, just to be clear, because that if you take too much protein, your body, your liver converts it to glucose or okay, sugar. Well, there, there it is. And so what they're this carnivore diet is is basically a one for one fat versus protein. And then, like I said, if, a lot of people introduce other things down the way, but they still be, they maintain that as a predominant meal base. Well, I think that's right. I mean, that's what, and, and I'll tell you another guy that has written a book about this is uh, uh, Jason Fung. He's up in Canada somewhere. He's a, he's a renal guy. He's a, he's a nephrologist. So he was treating all these people with renal failure from type two diabetes. And he finally said one day, why are we giving people with too much in, that have high insulin more insulin? Isn't there some other solution? So his book is called the obesity code and it has a picture of a puzzle. At least my copy that has a picture of a puzzle on the cover. And he essentially showed that doing exactly what you're talking about not even he, he talks about a high fat medium protein low carb diet and intermittent fasting 
I think part of what we're dealing with most, and, and this may be more than we realize, is we just eat too much. Yes. It's not just what we eat. We are grossly overfed for what we do in our workday. And, um, you know, that's a, a good example of that was when diabetes hit the Caribbean islands. When the sugar plantations first were instituted in the Caribbean islands um, under the colonial rule, what happened? The guys were out cutting cane in the field and the women were working in the factory. Now, cutting cane is a very labor intensive, calorific, you know, expenditure job. They figured, I think they used seven to nine thousand calories a day, those guys out there cutting the cane. So they could eat the sugar cane themselves and they didn't get diabetes. But the women got diabetes. They got fat and got diabetes because they were just standing in the production line and they also ate the cane. So after a number of years, the diabetes rate went sky high in that group. Now, that just tells you that output also matters. The more you move, the more tolerance your body has of this other stuff, not including toxins, but of the the proportion of your carbohydrates in your diet. No, it makes perfect sense, actually. And I think that's a lot of this is, um, like you say, we overeat. I think that's a big deal. Um, when we get into the intermittent fasting, that can't be understated how important that is to give your body a chance in between to kind of relax and heal. And then when we're getting rid of all these other toxins to allow the body to heal, I think what we start to see is the restorative capability of the human body. And especially through diet, how powerful that can be. It's fasting has its own issue. You and I've talked about that because the last fast I did was 47 days as a fast, which is, longer than I would normally do. But I mean, it's, it's, it, it was, it was a good push. <laughs> My hat's off to you, but I'm not doing it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was good. I mean, good experience. There's a lot of things that happen there, but you're, the problem is with something like that. If you, if someone uses that to try to regulate their body health, you're actually not doing that at all because your, your, your body's going to be going into a, a reserve mode to try to store right. things in, in anticipation. There's going to be more starvation the uh, or more shortage of food the the idea of intermittent fasting which i love so much is it gives the body a rest and then it actually energizes the metabolism to do even more when you get when you put in more food the other th reason i i would say that i've noticed with the carnivore diet i would say people are probably very in line with it is that once you get past your first couple of weeks depending on how your diet is coming in mine was good coming in so i don't have a lot of the effects of what some people describe but it's self-regulating when I say that, they encourage people to eat to their point of being almost overly full when you start. And that initially, that might be three meals a day. You will very quickly get down to, a, you're going to be down to two or one. It's just, it, right? And, and so it's not like, and so I, I can say from a standpoint of the way, and I don't even like calling it a diet because it's really just a way of life. There is a, there's a reset that naturally happens that, in just the different types of ways I've eaten over time, I've never experienced anything that's so self-regulating. So literally, your, your cravings are gone. You have one meal. Some people have one meal or two meals a day. I'm at about two. And um, it's just, you, you just have no more desires. It's just you're full. 
right? right. So because you're you're the you're resetting the leptin ghrelin system when you do this, and that happens within a week usually. Okay. The the, the leptin ghrelin system are the hormone regulators that you know go up and down and give you satiety, give you you know I'm full now, you're not hungry, and 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 so one of the pro and and that's one of the other problems that people don't understand about wheat. In fact, there's just nothing good to say about wheat. Wheat actually, uh, it, it gets into your morphine receptors in the brain. So you literally become addicted to it. I, and I remember when I went gluten-free, I, I mean, this was this sound, this is going to sound bad, but my first step in life changing my diet was just, well, my first step was getting off diet sodas years ago. That's how I got through residency, staying awake, you know, <laughs> caffeine diet sodas. I got off those. And then I got off the wheat. And I'm telling you, what I tell people, and I tell people to do this, I, I think it's worth it for 30 days. You can have whatever you want, just never, no, zero tolerance for eating wheat. And why that's important is that first 30 days, you will have the munchies like you can. I mean, I would come home from the hospital eating a bag of Cheetos because it's not wheat, okay? I know it's not health food. It was ghastly, but I don't have your willpower. So I would just said, okay, <laughs> I'm going to give up wheat, period. And I did this on like the 15th of December, right before Christmas. But I just basically said, or maybe the, maybe the 1st of December, because I was pretty much over it by December, by Christmas. I just said, okay, I'm done. I'm not eating any wheat. I've read this book and I thought, oh my gosh, how could I have missed this? So I did that and I ate Cheetos and I ate uh, Costco ice cream and all these <laughs> munchy things that I just, and then after after 30 days, I didn't have the craving because my morphine receptors weren't barking at me anymore. Just like the guy that goes through detox with, with drugs, you know, then what you're, you know, then the next problem is um, kind of the habitual eating problem. And, and there's where these, this, before you even get to fasting, you can do timed dieting. And if you just give yourself 10 hours a day, you know, of eating time and 14 hours a day when you don't eat. You can start with 10 hours a day you don't eat, but then just kind of move it up. That really helps reset. You know, that it takes your body time to clean out the arteries in between your meals. And, you know, that's, I think that's important though, that we should kind of, and it's not, a, that's not as important if you're, you know, a, a, a Sioux Indian and you're running the Buffalo and, and nibbling periodically throughout the day on stuff because you're moving and you're not, um, you know, it's not, you're not, you're not clogging your arteries to begin with. So, but for those of us on a more regular, the, certainly the person on the American diet, two things they can do right now that makes a huge difference, get rid of wheat, do the wheat cleanse and start doing time dieting. In other words, don't eat 24 hours a day. Don't even eat in the evenings. Just, just cut it down so that you, and if you want to eat in the evening, start later in the day, but have a 10 hour window and that's your time to eat. And just don't, don't violate that. That makes a big difference. It does make sense. I mean, that, that ties in with the intermittent fasting concept. And yeah, it's just not the next step. If you can't get the weight to get off or you still have diabetes, you can't get that to, to get better. Then the next step is what you're talking about, where you have intermittent actual fasting, maybe one day a week, go up to three days a week, whatever it takes. Jason Fung actually has a whole book on fasting, on fasting. So and then the other point, I guess the last point you mentioned about, um, you know, your body resetting. One of the things, though, that people need to know is that there was a doctor and a lawyer, and I can't remember the guy's name, and he wrote a really good book about um, kind of the, ex the, the, the real science, physiologic science of exercise and why it works this way. And I do believe this is true, that every day you get out of bed in the morning, 
your body uh, waits to see what you do. And if you start doing movement, lifting, bending, picking up heavy things, putting them down, walking, you know, running, whatever, if you're active, your body says, oh, there must be food on the savanna. I don't have to store fat. But if you spend your day lounging in bed with your feet up in a book, now your body says, oh, we're hiding in the cave. It must be time to store fat. So on a day-to-day -day basis, your body reacts to your motion by how it's going to metabolize its food. That's also partly true. It, what people need to get over is the idea that that it's all input output. I mean, my kids, I still I still argue with them about that. They always say, oh, mom, it's just calories in, calories out. That is absolutely false, proven over and over again. Because when, you know, you'll hear these obese people saying, you know, I only eat 800 calories a day. And that actually could be true. It's the body, it has to do with hormones. It has to do with metabolism moment to moment. It has to do with activity. It has to do with what you're eating. I mean, it, all those things play a role. And uh, uh, in fact, what was the guy's name? He wasn't a physician or a, a scientist. At all. I think his name was Taub. He's a famous journalist, and I'm just blanking on his first name, but he wrote a book about this, about the going to Africa and looking at the diets and looking at the foods and, and realizing, and, and he actually gives lectures on the internet on the metabolism and what, what changes it. So, and the last thing is that we know about this, that I know about this, is electromagnetic milieu. If we, this is why in the early days of electricity, people like Edison, they became diabetic. Okay, Alexander Graham Bell became diabetic because they they went from no electromagnetic uh, stuff in their environment to being surrounded in their lab by all this wire and this electricity and all this. So there was an electromagnetic um, presence all around them. Well, the way your body metabolizes things is you need an electron gradient. So it's kind of like if I have a water wheel it depends on more water upstream than downstream. So I, it ta causes the wheel to flow. If I'm in an ocean, a water wheel doesn't matter. You know, it won't work. You've got water all around you. Same thing with electrons. We have, we, when we live in an electromagnetic environment, we're screwing up our gradient. And unfortunately, today, this is why it's doubly important to get your diet under control and optimize what you've got because that's something, unless we tear down these tires and get towers and get rid of our cell phones and everything, we're not going to come out of an electromagnetic gradient problem. That's with us unless we decide not to have it. I I can tell you there's just like people say when they go on, they go, they go off, uh, they go onto the carnivore diet or they go gluten-free or something, they feel better. I'm going to tell you, people that say, I just dropped this, got rid of my cell phone, I stayed away from all electronics, and I felt better immediately. It happens. There is, that's a real problem. I would agree with that. And I, in fact, of all the electronics I use on a daily basis, that's the one thing more and more I'm just keeping my cell phone away because I think that thing has got more potential to screw you up than anything we have. You mentioned something a little bit ago. I want to go back to this real quickly because you mentioned intermittent fasting and dementia, I think is what you were keying it towards, and diet and dementia. Are you... Is there a correlation here to being able? I know what it was. I'm sorry because I'm kind of misquoted you. It was it was a point of parasites and dementia. So are are you are you oh, yeah. seeing that if someone was to do intermittent fasting and to do say an antiparasitic regime that that may actually have a positive outcome on somebody with dementia or Alzheimer's? Oh, I think so. I mean, I can't prove that. Now, what I can prove is that. And this is this is well known, in spite of the fact that the uber parasites are continuing to push statin drugs on us, 
Um, and statin drugs are almost oh, hold on, hold on at a the same. Because so, <laughs> we're going to get there. But you better qualify Uber parasites. Okay. Well, the guys on the top of the pyramid, whoever's pulling the strings, whoever runs our organized uh, medicine societies. Let me let me say that they're like the Institute of Medicine, the people that are telling the doctors in the through their official organizations that they better they better give their patients statin drugs. Now, what do statin drugs do? They stop the production of cholesterol. Now, that's a complete that whole cholesterol thing. That's a whole nother, you know, 20 minutes. But that's a whole that's a whole lie. The cholesterol theory is just false. OK, but they've convinced people we should lower your cholesterol, that your cholesterol is significant. And there are issues with with parts of the cholesterol, but we don't even normally check that. We just do it in a gross way and we say it's too high. The problem is when they actually did controlled studies and they lowered cholesterol down, the heart attack rate went up and they did it by in inserting uh, unsaturated fats. That's not the, so the story, the story there is not what they've told you, but I can tell you from, uh, and this is, uh, 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 he used to, he's called the, he used to have a thing called the renegade, uh, neurologist. What's his name? Um, he has grain brain is his book and brain maker author, David Perlmutter. Okay. Dr. Perlmutter. Um, I used to go and hear him lecture at these meetings and, you know, he said one time, and, and this, and I've looked this up subsequently. If you have a cholesterol above 300, I think or three, 300 or 340, you don't get dementia. So what, a, why is that? Why is that even possibly true? Well, when you take these statin drugs and you block the production of cholesterol, guess what your brain is made out of? Cholesterol. So when you talk about a high fat diet, you're feeding the brain. As long as it's good fats, you are absolutely feeding your brain. And the, the feeding the brain is important, especially coconut oil seems to be a great oil for the brain, by the way. But when you when you take a statin drug, which they want you to do to get your cholesterol down, it stops the production of the very basic component of your brain. Secondly, it stops the production of neurotransmitters uh, that help your brain work. So dementia is a clear known side effect of statin drugs and of low and because of the low cholesterol. And um, and yet we still do it. This, the government still requires it. So those are anybody in the government requiring uh, Paris statin drugs, in my opinion, is either uh, just clueless or they're part of the problem. And that makes them an uber parasite. No, that's fair enough. <laughs> so if we get into when we start getting the parasites and we go into the covid shot issue, the bioweapon, and I, I break it down into basically three levels with the bioweapon, we've got. Obviously, the injection itself, which represents a technological parasite with the mRNA and also yeah. with the um, nanotech and the graphene oxide, those are those are foreign agents that are being put in and they're a technological. There might be a biotechnological, but they're a, they're a technological agent that's going in. There is, there is something that's happening here, which it, I believe in observations that once they get this, there is also a growth in the organic parasites. Is that, do you think that's because the the immune systems are being depleted or do you think they're loading these shots with parasites going in? And I'm saying this because- Well, I guess it could be either one, but the very obvious one is they're knocking down. You know, the one thing they can do pretty easy is gene knockdown. And I believe that there was, early on, there was somebody that, uh, I, I can't quote this, so I shouldn't say that, but I, I believe that somebody actually looked at the specific part of the immune system, but- but what we know is that your immune system has changed. 
we can see antigens on your on your immune cells that aren't there if you don't have a paras if you don't have a, a, a shot the covid shot so the covid shot is drastically changing something in your immune system and in my opinion what it's doing is allowing your internal parasites to then blossom out and that's and then and then when we see it right what, what is it's beautiful because when we see those mets on the metastases that we see on MRI, let's say you come in and you've got pain everywhere and we say, well, let's just check something. And then we find you've got some metastases looking things in your spine. Then we check your other bones and other stuff. We find them all over the place. We never really, we, we assume it's cancer because we were told that's the only thing that can do that. But it's, we never really have run the dog down on that. And the Germans did. And they looked at those metastases and they said, and they looked at cancer and they, they said, it's parasites. Those and it's possible that, and I believe it's true that those those metastases are actually parasite egg sacs of intracellular parasites. See, the problem is we we we've got this mindset that parasites are worms; they're always visible. No, they're not. They can be intracellular, and then they would grow in this. They would they would give you all the appearance that we see of cancer cells: deranged metabolism, abnormal mitochondria, abnormal morphology, abnormal growth growth patterns increasing increasing blood supply because they they demand more you know blood i mean i, I think it's probably I, I think it's more than probably true i think they've been hiding this forever and you can look at their research on ivermectin and, and nitazoxanide and hydroxychloroquine they've always been looking at parasite medicine as a cancer treatment and i don't know you know they 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 know something when they start looking like that so there's a lot of studies going on like that so i yes i think it's i think they're knocking it down they could now is it possible they're dosing us with parasites in those absolutely because the thing of it is if this is truly a biologic agent they can't sterilize it to the level that would kill parasite eggs you know and a mother parasite lays 200,000 20 to 200,000 of them a day hmm. all right so you've had an actually an interesting through some recommendations you made there's been an interesting case study even though it's not human Shemaine and Ted Nugent's dog Happy was recently at the vet. Actually, was at uh, Texas A and M, I think, or something like that. When they took him to the hospital, and the vet hospital, and um, so he had what they thought was water on the on the heart or fluid on the heart, and then there were spots in the lung and spots on the spine, I think. And your recommendation yep. was treat the parasites. Yeah, I said if they're going to do any more tests check them for parasites and she did and they find and they didn't want to do it at first finally they did it and uh they it came back that it had some parasites so my see that's part of this is a practical point in medicine we spend so much time in diagnosis trying to figure stuff out whereas if at some point if you realize that there are only certain things that affect the human body that we can change you know, there's EMF, there's parasites, there's nutritional deficiencies, then there's toxins and, you know, separation from God. If you take care of those five things, you don't have to do a bazillion dollars worth of tests because look how many times in a modern medicine program you do these tests. Like, I don't know how much Shemaine paid for this dog testing, but it wasn't small. And at the end of the day, they wouldn't have given her a diagnosis that they could have actually gotten treated for. Right. Now the proof's going to be in the pudding, but again, one of the points I will say to people is, you know, there are there are these like fenbendazole.org, this organization that's been treating cancer with fenbendazole for years. I'm sure it's not a hundred percent because the problem is, by the time you treat yourself, 
even if it really is an overwhelming parasite infection and you get rid of that with this medication, you also can be, you also could have these other things going on. You also could be super toxic. You also could be, you know, nutritionally very deficient. I think one of the problems here is that we're not, we're not thinking of the, this really is holistic medicine. When you look at the whole body and say, you can't just do one arm of this. You have to, you have to make sure uh, that you're not, you're not missing other things. That's why I, I, my, my friend, uh, Dr. Peter Glidden, he awoke me to this fact that he's and he, funny. He said, he said, you allopaths, you know, cause he's a naturopath. He said, you allopaths, when you start realizing you need to supplement diet, you do it with pills. Like you're treating cardiac disease and you can't do that because they're 90 essential nutrients and nobody can take 90 nutrients in pills. Now I do take a few pills because there are some things that you got to have. Like I, I make sure I dose myself really well with iodine, but I, I take an, a liquid nutrition drink to supplement. And so if you, and the dog may need that too. I'm just saying, I'm now I'm the veterinary parasite person, but, <laughs> but that's why, that's why, you know, I'm, just, I'm expanding my realm here. It's just the veteran veterinarians are going to come after me now, but I don't have a license with you guys. It's crazy. I, I, I think there's so much money wasted in diagnosis. I agree with you. I mean, there are things you have to do. X-rays, we do that for broken bones. I get that. I, that's my specialty. And I'm, I'm actually pleased to say that I was in a specialty that I don't think cheated you. I think we were doing the right thing. But let's look at bone health. They, they cheated you about bone health. They, they told you all sorts of junk about bone health that wasn't true. So yeah, every time we turn around, they're ignoring the truth. But I, I think that, you know, I think she's getting the right treatment now, but did she have to go through all that to do it? And so I, right. Well, it was it was because of you that yeah. that's really when she brought that in and said so. Then they she changed directions, and <laughs> and it was with the dog went from being on oxygen to seventy two hours or less later was at home. Yeah, and 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 back nearly normal. I think she said when I talked to her on the weekend. I think Shemaine said there was about eighty percent of original health, which is pretty significant considering that's pretty significant. They they didn't think the dog was going to make it. I mean that, that's and that's all treating with antiparasitics. Which right. is pretty amazing. Now, I also told her, and this is what I tell people too, is I believe in the getting rid of the toxins. And actually, it helps getting rid of the toxins of the parasites, which that's the chlorine dioxide. And, um, you know, chlorine dioxide is really a, a magic thing. I mean, it really is not what people understand. And it's it it helps detoxify you from whatever toxin you're ex you're exposed to. It, it has this magic property and it's particularly good for parasites, which is why they use it for malaria in, in Africa. Um, they will go in Africa, speaking of parasites, they'll go in Africa. And I got this from Bob Sisson, who spends his own money as a missionary going over there. He'll take tons of chlorine dioxide into Uganda. He's a Uganda guy. And, um, you know, and he treats these people with malaria. And what he does is they'll, they did a study where they, they took blood samples and they could see from these women that were, or men too, that they were acutely infected with the trypanosoma uh, parasite of, of malaria. And they'd watch the thing swimming around in their bloodstream. Then they would give them the dose of chlorine dioxide. Now they're doing it differently. Than what I tell people to do, because we're not in that situation, but they're kind of in a, in a, a low economic situation where they've got to do it, hit it heavy right then. And they have people to support them with fluid. So they give them a big dose. And within four hours, there are no parasites in the bloodstream. Now, that doesn't cure the stuff in the liver, and they're still going to have to treat them. But that's impressive. So there's a quick turnaround. Wow. But the reason is because chlorine dioxide, you know, really, we study all this biology. But really, 
we should have studied physics. It's really all about electron transfer. So when what does a toxin do? A toxin grabs parasites from proteins in the body that help you live, that make your enzymes, that make your whatever goes on. And so what chlorine dioxide does, it steals the electrons from the bad guys and delivers to the good guys, essentially. That's a little oversimplified, but it it doesn't steal. In other words, people always ask me, well, if I'm doing this all the time, am I not damaging my gut flora? Only the bad gut flora. There's certain wow. characteristics of what we consider, and that's why they are bad. It's like, that's why they're bad, because they're electron stealers. That's how they create dis-ease, damage to you. You can't metabolize without this electron transport chain, and they're stealing your electrons. That's fantastic right there. Right, that's, that's really amazing. That really gets us into our body is we are frequency, energy, and vibration. That's Tesla, which I think he was dead yeah. on. We're, we're, uh, we're not realizing really what our bodies are, right? Right. And parasites are electron stealers. That's parasites are uniquely, they're not like bacteria or even what, whatever. Uh, they are just, they are, they are super electron stealers and they're electron hungry. So when you cut off their electrons with chlorine dioxide or with anything else, that's how you kill them. All right. Well, so let's look at a couple of things then, because um, the EMF that we are dealing with, especially with 5G and this injection, that would suggest that what you're saying is somehow that exposure and the injection itself was a technological parasite, as we're referring to it, becomes a high, highly accelerated electron thief in the body. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Is that basically it? Essentially. Yeah. That, and, that, and graphene oxide is the, is the most... Um, uh, and I'm not I, I'm not a physicist enough to have the right words, but it is it it transmits electrons the best of any material we know better than copper, better than gold. It's like boom! It takes it's it it will transfer electrons. In fact, one of the reasons to have graphene oxide in nanotechnology is nanotech runs on um, on tera terabytes, whereas we you know we have gigabytes. And it needs to be transformed, you use graphene oxide somehow. So I don't think, I'll tell you, here's what I really think happened. And I, you know, I'll try and make this as simple as short as possible. There are two phases of this. What happened during the outbreak of COVID and what happened with the vaccine? Um, the outbreak of COVID happened after the Uber, I should, I won't call them the Uber parasites just for just for clarification, the nefarians, the bad guys the they in all these discussions, whoever we want to say they are, we have to name the enemy. I'm going to work on that for red pill here coming up. But if for right now, we know that there's a group of people out there that don't number that very many that are on top of this pyramid running this shit show. And what one of the things they did, they commissioned people. And I started noticing this 20 years ago in practice. They were going around the world and scavenging people's DNA. For all over the world, they, they were catching Americans, for the most part, scavenging people's DNA. Other countries got involved too later, but we were the primary goers. And like they, the Putin caught us in 2017, capturing Slavic DNA, and it was done very professionally. They had an, a, an Air Force uh, paid neurosurgeon go over and get it out of pure Slavic people's CSF, their cerebral spinal fluid, so out of their spine. And um, so anyway, why were they doing that? They wanted to figure out because the these people in charge of the world, and I think most people are kind of starting to, or some people at least are waking up to this fact, they're not in charge because they're the best guys in their Wharton and business class. They're they're in charge because they they believe they're aristocrats. They're all of a bloodline. They're lizard heads. 
And they may not appear it overtly, but they're all of a bloodline. And they know their bloodline's a little different somehow. So they scavenged the world to see what that difference was. And they discovered it had something to do with the ACE2 pathway. It has to do with the electromagnetism of the ACE2 pathway. It's just a chemical pathway in the body that allows you to retain sodium. It's how you control blood pressure and your water content, all sorts of stuff. So what they did was they created, in my opinion, I can't prove every part of this, but this is taking all sorts of information from all sorts of different places, like Karen Kingston work on her, um, on her uh, uh, patent search, which thank God for her doing that because I couldn't do it. But what happened is they figured out how to block that ACE2 pathway. And when you block it completely, you really cause disease. Those are the people that go, went down really hard. So they, this is what Kingston found. They made this hydrogel, okay? And hydrogel, smart hydrogel responds to wavelength and it has a shape because you know, in your body, what the other thing we've learned, this is the chemistry part of the body. We've learned that proteins work by shape. They have to have a certain shape. It's kind of a lock and key system and enzymes, they're lock and key system. So in our body, we have this ACE2 pathway, that's the lock. And they figured out how to make a key that could be converted to a key in the body. So they made this hydrogel that would not fit the ACE2 pathway normally, but then they can bombard it with wavelength externally. Then it changed. And now it's the key that fits into the lock of the ACE2 pathway. And when they do it, they can drop people. That was the disease. And they, they can gauge it how much they make you sick by how much by something. Probably it's dose related and it's electromagnetic related. So they spread this stuff around. So why, why were certain people targeted? How were they successfully targeted and other people weren't affected at all? Because those, and I'm probably one of them, that have this special ACE pathway, our electromagnetic uh, stickiness to the stuff, our, our ACE pathway doesn't stick things like other people. Okay? This group of people doesn't get AIDS either. It doesn't stick certain things. Okay? And so... <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I, and it's and it's probably much, much more complicated than this, but this is the part I think I've deciphered, is that the ACE2 pathway, and we actually have papers now that show in microvoltage or nanovoltage, whatever the key is, that that there's a whole sequence of people and their voltage and their, 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 their uh, mechanical or their electromagnetic stickiness of this pathway based on, and they give you the exact voltage number. So you can see how it goes down between certain people. So at the bottom, there are two of them. And I only remember the K26R, but there's another one that's a Y something that they've designated. These are pathways and they're electromagnetically uh, pretty immune to everything. But then there are other people that are real sticky. And um, I can't remember who they all are, but I can tell you, I think part of them are Native Americans. They seem to target them. But what happens is Let's say so in China, they spread this stuff around surfaces and people walk along and they picked it up on their hands. They got it in their bodies, but no problem because up until October 19th, they didn't turn on the, the wavelength that would have activated the toxin. This is called optogenetics and it, it's, it's changing your body's function through putting a, a, an optical sensor, an optical uh, chemical device within the body, and then and then uh, activating it remotely with wavelength. That's what they do. They can do it in bacteria. We know all about this stuff. That's what that's what the MIT guru Feng Zhang, that's what his that's what his PhD was in. This is how I went down this rabbit hole. But that's what that's what they did. So they can they 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 spread it around. They let people get it into their mouth, into their, you know, when you get something on your hands, you get it in your mouth, you get it in your eyes, you get it almost everywhere. 
and it, they absorbed a certain amount. Now, I don't know if this stuff multiplies, if it actually reproduces like an artificial parasite. It could. I don't know that. But in some, but in any case, some people got more, some people got less, but it got into a lot of people, and then they turned on the wavelength. That explains Wuhan. And you saw young people that shouldn't have been the high target just dropping over on the street suddenly. So I think somebody in the control tower says, oops, hey, guys, huh, we need to back off on these uh, on this wavelength a little bit. Let's back off on the power and not not hit quite so many people because this is looking pretty weird. And and this is why the, the guys, the good guys in the hospital in Wuhan, the doctors that were trying to speak out, they said things like, we've never this this must get into your eyes because masks don't work and nothing works. Even glove, gloves, mask, all this stuff, it doesn't keep it out. You're going to have to, you know, it's probably eyes. Well, they weren't thinking that it was already a pre-staged toxin. So then they could run it and they could run the same program in Wuhan that they did in Lombardy. They did it in New York. And then they then they don't need that anymore because now they piggyback it on all the flu season. And they, they called everything that was flu COVID and they got us all convinced. The second phase was the PSYOP and the false testing. And then you have... The vaccine. Now, nobody can tell you what's in the vaccine because they cleverly did this under emergency use authorization where they don't have to tell us. Huh? They don't have to tell us. Isn't that great? How many times they, they wouldn't let you put a garbage can lid on the on the market without having having all the risk factors put in there. But they're putting it into every child with no with a no package insert that told them the doctor anything about it. And doctors were just not uh ethically up to snuff to say no i guess i don't know but i mean it's crazy no package insert no instruction and and they don't have to tell you the only thing they have to tell you under an eua is that for which they claim efficacy now they claimed that they had and they put a bunch of other stuff in there but they, you know they don't tell you enough to, to to let you know what it really is now they claim that they put in the um the rna to produce the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2. However, there's a lot to be said about that that makes me think that is not what's going on. Or if they did it, it's just a it was it was just to make the people around them believe that that's what they were doing. But that can't be what they were doing. And I'll tell you why in a nutshell. Today's researchers in RNA that are looking at this stuff for like Africa for liver problems. They're, they're, they're liver researchers out there. I think they're at the University of Washington. They wrote a big review on RNA technology. And they say this, they say, yeah, this stuff could be of use to, to you know, people with malaria in Africa and their liver problems. But you know what? It'll never be practical because they don't have the infrastructure to keep it cold enough. Wait a minute. I read that and I said, wait a minute. They have to keep it super cold. Then I looked up other papers. I looked at the half-life, meaning how long do these things last in nature? RNAs, no, they're all different kinds, but they only last between three and a half minutes and 16 and a half hours, unless you put that in super cooling. So how could they do this? Because remember, they initially they came out and they made a big show about it. It was all super cooled and you had to thaw it right and then use it. And then they said, well, no, it can, it can go it can go overnight. And then it can go 10 days. Then it can, then they kind of forgot about it. They when they waited until the news cycle moved on and then they just abandoned this expensive cooling game. But that can't work if there's really mRNA in there. So personally, I think what we're dealing with is a toxic slew of things we already know that that they have described in their literature and the basic science for years the toxic cationic lipids, the nanoparticle is made of these lipids that are totally toxic to your blood su supply. 
the graphene oxide, which they show pictures, anybody, any of those people out there saying, oh, there's no graphene oxide, that's conspiracy theory. I recommend you go to these, I can give you the name of the paper. They show you these review papers, show you how these nanoparticles are created and they have a layer of graphene oxide in them. Okay, this is this is designed as the vehicle for the for the so-called RNA. So they know they're talking about this in the terms that they are of the RNA. But you can you can do everything that we're talking about without the center RNA if you just have this toxic lipoparticle. So it's got graphene oxide and the other thing, and it's got these lipoparticles and it's got all this. And then look at all the the networking stuff we're finding in there. These look at these carbon tubules and this move. You no, know, it's just filled with junk that shouldn't be there. My favorite one is the one by Dr. Dixon down in uh, New Zealand or Australia that was on Maria Z. And he showed this under the microscope overnight under time-lapse photography of, of Pfizer vial. And you saw this little black blob that didn't look right to begin with. And Pfizer says all that detritus is normal. And then over time, it expanded and it looked just like the old Intel chips. I'm sorry. And then he put it in a Faraday cage and it didn't happen. Interesting. You know, Assuming that is true, that's a pretty damning thing. But I think what we're looking at is connecting us to the killing people and connecting the rest to the web. I think that's what this well, is. It, it sounds like a hack job to take over the human body. I mean, to be very honest with you, I mean, this is... It's hacking it, us. It, it, yeah. but it literally, in a, in a, even though this is advanced technology, this is pretty shoddy work in the way to take over the body. Right, because it's not—it's not a smooth integration. You know, they always seem to claim they can do things that I don't think they can do. I, I'm with you on this. I just like AIs. I don't think AIs are <laughs> nearly as. I think they have a couple that are pretty powerful, but I don't think that they're fully developed the way they say any more than they have robotics to the level they want us to believe. But they can—it's just like going through Disney's Pirates of the Caribbean or something with their animatronics. Those things are not walking and talking around; they're static. But they want us to believe that. You know, this technology is, a, you know, it's like super advanced. And I'm not saying it isn't, but I'm I'm skeptical. Let's put it that way, like you are. I'm very right. skeptical. Assuming there aren't assuming there aren't those things among us like Westworld and we don't right, know. Right, which could be there. That, that's, that's, the only... that's not out of the question, <laughs> especially when we're dealing with what you call the uber parasites. What yeah. I, I think is interesting here is when we look at the parasitic issue, and you mentioned electrons, and as you were talking, I was doing some quick searches here. Demonic activity is tied to electromagnetic effect and now you've talked about parasites being electrons um, thieves and then that would lead us to the technologies that are in bodies which is like the graphene oxide which is an electron electron thief to the max i guess the question i i'm curious about is as they are taking these electrons out of the body are they literally harvesting the electrons for something other that we don't know or is it just draining the body's electrons down. I don't know, but what's happening to those electrons? That's the curious thing. Well, when, um, so what happens is if I steal the electron from you on a protein, that protein is no longer functional. That's the point. I, I get it and it, and it helps me. I need an electron gradient to grow and thrive. So as I grow, I need more electron gradient, more electrons probably. Um, and you you relinquish yours, which means you're not as functional. Now, you know, if you can metabolize, here's the deal. We all replete our electrons when we eat food and we, we metabolize things. But, you know, um, and all but and and I will say too, the other thing they never told us in um in medical school is that we actually get direct energy from the sun. 
that is the principle. And the guy's name is Pollock up in Washington, uh, Seattle, up at the University of Washington, I believe. And it's called the fourth stage of water. And he shows how when you, every cell in your body is a little battery. And the way you get rid of toxins is you put a charge uh, isolation around it and you drive it out of the cell. And then it gets in the fluid and from there to the urine or the bowel and it gets excreted. So that's how you get rid of toxins. So we need that extra energy in the, in the summer. We get a lot of energy because we're outside, but it really makes sense to be outside. Now, I don't know. I don't know if anybody's really looked at you know, the complication of who gets parasites is very, very, very questionable. But it'd be interesting to see if if sunlight in this country, just take this country, because one of the things they always said about this is an interesting point of MS multiple sclerosis that now we know is parasites. What did they used to tell us? They said, if you have a have a lap dog before the age of five, you're more apt to get MS. Why would that matter? I thought at the time, that's a crazy thing. I thought in 1976, when I heard that, I said, well, how does that, I've always remembered it because it's so crazy. Now I get it. They were more exposed to the, the parasites early on. So they, over their life, they accumulated more probably. Second thing is MS is worse as you go north. Okay, the people in the in the people down at the border rarely get MS. Or people down at the equator rarely get MS. So there's a point that they're getting a lot of, you know, sunlight. Sunlight is important. And and why do we have a flu season in the winter? It's because our batteries are run down. It has nothing to do with viruses and being inside. It has to do with being inside. We are, our batteries are run down. We're not getting this particular band of infrared radiation. We can't get rid of toxins. And the people that die in the winter are the people that are most toxified with the least competent immune system. So this whole thing fits together if you look at it from a physics point. And you're right, parasites Parasites are unique in that they, they are like little, you know, remember the Gnostics talked about archons. I'm really kind of studying the Gnostics right now. Because everybody, mostly because the the the, the old church uh, around 400 AD basically exterminated them. And anytime they go after somebody, anytime somebody is the demon of the day and they just exterminate them, in spite of the fact that their name means knowledge and they started the great library of Alexander, I think it's I have to look at them. And what they essentially say is that the, the world has, is, 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 uh, being sucked dry by these parasites, the archons that suck out our energy and it's the negative energies, you know, that's why I, I so yeah, let me ask you real quick, does negative energy increase electron flow? You know, I don't know that. That's, that's a very good question. We ought to look that up. We ought to research that. What happens, I'm gonna what have happens to, to your, um, I mean, first of all, you know, that depression and low energy go together. Uh, that's just, you know, and they, we know that going out and running in sunshine decreases depression. All right, so let's go back to the carnivore diet real quick because we're going to talk about depression. A lot of people refer this to the carnivore diet has recured their depression. Why? Well, I guess there are a lot of possible reasons. I I, I can't really give you a solid answer there. It's an interesting point. Um, but number one, you're getting adequate nutrition, especially people that they didn't. They didn't, you know, the, again, if they were on a low, if they'd been convinced to have a low fat diet, they were starving their brain, you know, if so, part of it could just be nutritional. But again, nutritional ultimately is having to do with electron flow. So you're right. I, I don't know exactly how to how to put that all together. And I'm sure there's some 
uh, super uber physiologist out there now cringling saying, oh, that we know how did that works. And that probably they do. I just don't. But I think that it, it, it does probably fit together in that, in that the carnivore diet is, you know, first of all, animals have all sorts of nutrients that they can metabolize in their body, but we have to take in. And so we don't get, we're, our diets are inadequate. When you're starting to increase your meat and your fat and good quality stuff, people doing it on the carnivore diet already are self-selecting for people that want to be healthy. And they're thinking about changing their diet. No, that's a very good point. I, I think what's interesting though, when we start to get into COVID and this is just more evidence that it is a parasitic issue yeah. more than anything. Uh, I think that a lot of the lot of what we've been told is is a psyop, and even with like some of these people are out here, like Malone, I think that he is a big psyop with the mRNA to keep people off the track. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, you're not alone. Um, and so when you look, one of the big tells for me is they changed the food pyramid during COVID, and they changed it to encourage people to eat processed foods and more sugar. Oh my god, so, I did not know so that. If you, I missed that. Oh one. yeah, take a look. Well, you need to go check a look at this because now like Cheerios is considered to be almost equivalent to beef. Um, and then, and then you watch the, the, this, this global diet, they're trying to get everybody on the global diet of, of bugs and plants with very little beef, but it's going to be lab grown meat if they get their way. And so these three things that they're doing here are all, in, I will guarantee you the farther we go down in that, we're going to find that it's parasite food. I do believe that. It just it seems to me that everything we're saying is bad for us seems to be good for parasites. It does seem to be that. And 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 so, you know, and 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 just looking at the uh, the plant-based food, one of the things I I again, I I think this is true. Uh years ago there was a guy who talked about he was a French theologian, I believe. He was a PhD, but I think he was a theologian. And he had a video, I've got it somewhere, he has a video out there, and he's talking about how in the future, now this is a 1999 or 1996 video, he's saying in the future, they're going to dose us with microcrystals that will get into the brain, and they will change the wavelength, and they will get mind control, and don't think of this as a theory, think of Rwanda. And he's claiming, he says, he believes that Rwanda was a was the, the trial case for that. Now, in favor of that, this is where uh, Sherry Tenpenny and I had this discussion because she said, you know, you told me to look at chitin, the, the bugs have chitin and that that's a problem. She says, I can't find that there's other than allergies. I spent hours researching this. I can't find out what the problem is. And so I said to her, I said, well, I just looked at I didn't look at medicine journals. I looked at, um, <laughs> at kind of at other things at biology and physics about about chitin. And it turns out that that insects, including probably parasites, but not, you know, the, the parasitic insects, but the the uh, like, but good insects like butterflies and scarab beetles, that iridescent color they have comes from chitin because chitin is a, a, a wave bending uh, crystal. It's a it's a, a piezoelectric crystal or a photo photoelectric crystal. So you eat chitin, you're getting these crystals and it's changing your wavelength. And that's one of the points that that um, I heard someone say that when they when they spray chemtrails, it's not the amount of stuff they're putting out. It's the form that they're heated. Those nozzles are heated. So when they put out barium, when they put out aluminum, when they put out things, 
it's not in volumes more that were coming out of the smokestacks in the 1880s during the Industrial Revolution, but it's in a piezoelectric form. And in that crystalline form, it's damaging plants' ability to metabolize. That's the key here. This is fascinating when you start to consider the wavelength piece in prayer, because prayer and prayer and meditation realign us into our frequency and vibration in our energy. And there is a there was an interview I heard the other day, and someone was asking, it was very offhand, and I, and I am, it was a whistleblower from about Antarctica. I'm trying to think of the show. He's a Navy SEAL that runs a, he runs a YouTube channel. No, I think but, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Okay, but he asked him, what's the defense? They were talking about like neuro, um, subcranial transmission and, right. and these, some of these microwave energies. And he said, so what's the defense of that? And the guy says, know yourself. And he said, this is old tricks. This is not new. This is what the magicians used to do in conjuring up spells and do spell casting. Most of what we're dealing with here is that is just a technological variant of that. And all they've done is instead of having a magician or a coven of witches that is going to spell cast, they're able to use those techniques to affect the uh, spiritual framework of a world to make things receptive, and then they've injected people with this substance, whatever it is, I mean, a mix of things, but it is, in my opinion, what they're doing is most of it gets down to changing frequency and vibration because then you're shifting off the alignment of your spiritual center with God. So that's where, you know, when I come back to it, I always say there's three levels of this attack. There is the spiritual, which is a parasitic attack spiritually to drain you down, wear you out, there is the physical, which is done by the organic parasites, which, as you said, I think would be very you. possibly. <laughs> right. And and either they've opened us up because of wearing us down to the already we're surrounded by parasites. Or, like you said, they could have just as well be spraying those things in the air and no one's looking there to see. And then the third element is a technological parasite, which comes in many forms. Nanotech is one. Graphene oxide is another. But then also just our screens, our, our phones, the constant you know, buzzing of colors and, and sequences to get people to use their apps. It's literally sucking down. And, I, and I'm just kind of wrapping up all that you put here. I will bet if we did the right research and had the tools, we would find that what it is sucking out of everybody is electrons. Yeah, I bet, I bet it is, ultimately. And I bet that what we discover is that's what they call louche. Or it's... It's yeah, it and and again, what we call electrons may not be exactly right. I mean, it's photons, it's some kind of photons of energy. So yeah, we may not even have the right language yet, but you're right. I, I absolutely believe that. And the reverse is this is the Kosnacheyev effect. The reverse is what Kosnacheyev found is that dying cells put off a wavelength. They call them the the uh, photoni smerti in Russian, the death photons. So you know the 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 constant uh, are is is light wavelength or, or particles. You know that's our debate, and we can call it what we want to. But light is being given off by these cells in the UV wavelength spectrum, and it can make other cells sick. And it will. So he would he would put two groups of cells into a glass container or a container, and they were only able to be connected by an optical window. And then he would poison side A with like radiation. And he'd watch what happened to side B. If the optical window was glass, nothing happened. But if the optical window was quartz, 
side B would start dying 12 hours later of the same pattern of side A. So if he used arsenic to kill side A, side B would die of arsenic, but only with a quartz wow. window. And what does quartz do? It lets UV radiation through and, and window glass doesn't. That is fascinating. All right. Well, you've, you've, this is like, so, a... so now think about this. I just want you people that don't believe this 5G thing is real. I want them to think about this. Now, Kosnochev, it's interesting. I stumbled across him only because I found his name in English. And then to get to his stuff, I had to read it in Russian. And I just, you know, God has a funny way of putting things in front of you. So in 1969 in Grinnell College, I studied Russian, right? So I can't speak it, but I can I can read enough to, to stumble through this stuff. And it's a lot of medical Russian, so you can kind of understand it. So he did thousands of these experiments. But what what the point is, is that the next group of people that kind of looked at similar stuff was Luc Montagnier and Jacques Bienvenis, two French scientists who discovered that bioactive molecules like DNA, for example, if you put them in water and you mix them around a little bit, then you dilute it out so there's no more of the DNA in the water. They leave behind the electric signature of the DNA. And it can be captured and it can be transferred via you know, other be beamed onto other, other beakers and recreate the DNA. Now, uh, the DNA signature. So what does that mean? What it means to me is, and it's funny, when you try and find Kaznachev stuff, if you can find anything in English, the, and his, there were several of his, his colleagues that then took this farther, it's interesting. They either tell you it's all nonsense and horseshit and don't even think about it, or you don't have authority to read it. Wait a minute. It was all... It's all nonsense. Why don't I have authority to read it? <laughs> I have to go through my institution. I don't have authority to read this. That's just crazy talk, you know. So, um, so I so think about this. And and there was a Canadian, by the way, I can't remember her name, but she reproduced Kaznachev's work up in Canada. So this isn't a one-off. Um, I think this is what Marburg is. So what happened? What happens if you capture death photons, the so-called death photons? I I poison some cells some human cells, and I capture that signature of the death photon. Seems to be doable. And then I project it onto somebody else. Wow. Okay. That's, I think, where we're talking. And Marburg cannot be the virus that they're telling about. You know, if, even if you believe in no viruses, it's crazy. Because everybody that, if you know, and this is one of Malone's favorite things, Marburg. If you look at Marburg, who died of it? Um, the, the Marburg, it was mostly, it was two groups of gold miners in Angola and Congo or someplace in, in the middle of Africa during wars or during times of strife that to me, and, and their wives didn't get it. Their families didn't get it. Their counties didn't get it. Just the gold miners. Okay. Like, like they didn't spread it to anybody else. So that sounds to me like something given to them in the mines. And by the way, uh, probably acquisition of resources by somebody. But the other group that got it were the researchers in the Marburg lab. That's why we call it Marburg. There were, I think there were, I want to say 36 deaths or something, or 36 people got this horrible disease. They claimed it was from working with green monkeys. But it turns out, where's the one place that the literature of Kaznachev was taken outside of Russia and made, made into something serious that we know about? The Marburg lab. Wow. <laughs> there so, you go. You just brought that one all together. So many holes, so, many, so little time. <laughs> That's exactly it. So you're, you're going to be talking at Red Pill coming up? Yeah, I'm going to name the enemy. <laughs> I'm going to try. I told, I, I think I worried G. Edward Griffin. He said, oh, maybe we should just name 
named some names like Fauci. I said, now, gee, I'd really like In World War II, could you have won World War II by saying, we're going to go after Hitler, we're going to go after Himmler, Goering, and uh, Bormann? <laughs> no, it doesn't work that no, way. No, we've got to have the whole group. Yeah, we got to name the names. Got to name the group names. When is the Red Pill event? It is uh, the middle weekend. I think it's the 12th and 13th or the 13th and 14th, whatever that Saturday and Sunday is. And then I'm speaking at Friday night for the JBS at the an event just before that. And you can find that on thing on the JBS site, the John Birch Society site. Oh, you got it with some good folks there. Those are good people. Yeah, yeah. They're really excellent. They're very active in Iowa against the carbon capture pipeline. Good. They need to be because that's, nut, that's yeah. another nuts thing we're doing. Well, we need to do after that event. I want to get you back on because I want to talk about name the enemy. I want you to come on and tell us all about the enemy. So we'll plan on okay. that. So I'll have it organized. Yeah, well, <laughs> I want it because I want to go through that. But I think this was fantastic today, Dr. Merritt. I think that just getting people to understand the magnitude of this and Really, that gives people a lot of empowerment too to understand that we can control a lot of this, and we can. Yeah, and I think, I, and can. I think that um, with the work that you've been doing, Dr. Carrie Midday and Dr. Sherry Tempenny and others, that the this injection isn't as terminal. If we, I mean, we can we can right. correct it if we get on it, but it's we got to be on it. People got to take it serious. If they just keep going down their path and denying it, then that's that's like the death walk right there. It's like plank up, buddy. You're gonna walk off the plank and sink. Right there. Right, and they and that and that goes along with them wanting that. Right. It's like these these are the, the whoever we decide these people are. What they do is they stir up wars, they stir up famines, they stir up all this because they love our misery. So I've got on my on my now my new background. I've got a, a, a kind of a fuzzy picture of soldiers, and then I've got for the the war that we're fighting. I said, here's our here's our protocol: don't participate in evil, don't fund the enemy, don't live in fear radiate love and make memes because that's how you tell the, whoever we're i can tell you who tell how, how to find the uber lords they hate humor <laughs> they have no sense of humor <laughs> that's so true that's so absolutely true meme them to death. i will tell you we've got some people in our chat that'll be really happy about that because they want to buy flamethrowers and go lizard hunting so i think that would be it we just need to have good memes and if they don't laugh you're like buddy you better start laughing and think about it if the if the agnostics are right and these things are kind of like these parasites on the world that just live on our loose. In other words, they they need us to be miserable. It's not just this is like their food, right? If we all stop being miserable, if we all make a conscious effort to say, I'm just going to laugh at these guys. I'm going to, no matter what happens, I am not going to feed them anymore. They die. They just drop off like a tick that can't get blood. You know, that would be awesome. I think that's awesome. And we got, we got to keep that going. That's awesome. I love that. That's a great point. Super point. Well, we always close with a prayer. Can I do a prayer? Is that all right? Awesome. Father, I just want to thank you for this amazing meeting. That Once again, Dr. Merritt and I always have such great conversations. And this is just another one of these today to really just elevate the, the, the awareness and the empowerment of people. And just to realize that you really have given us a perfect temple to deal with this. We have to get the mindset of love, joy, and having the attitude that we can overcome anything before us. So, Father, as you place before us we, all the all that we need, we ask for the courage and the heart of the many that hear this to cast aside these parasitic views of the world and step into the glory of kingdom. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So that's awesome. Enjoyed the whole show today. This is good. Awesome. So Thank you. It's always yeah. fun coming on here. Oh, it's, we're going to have some more talks. I'm anxious to hear about your name, the enemy. We're, we'll get that scheduled, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, I better get right. working on that. But uh, right. more to follow on that. <laughs> awesome. All right, Dr. Merrick, have a blessed hey, day. Thank you very much. God bless. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Well, Patriots, that was Dr. Lee Merritt, legend.
She's just legend. What a great person. She's done so much for like the awareness of this entire movement to give people not just the awareness of it, but also just the empowerment of getting people to understand that we can make a difference in our lives with how we take care of our bodies, which is awesome. So now you know some of the basics. If you want to check out her, The Medical Rebel, themedicalrebel.com or Medical Rebel, one of the two, or you can just type in Dr. Lee Merritt. It'll take you to the same. She also has some really good supplements over there that you might be interested in. She's got, she's had some custom built and I need to talk more about that because they're really good. And so they're, they're a custom mix that she's put together with all of her great science. So you might check that out. It's good stuff. But anyway, we're going to be onwards and upwards. Also remember that uh, Friday, no bended knee, no bards FM. And then Saturday morning at 8 a.m., we're doing bended knee prayer is when we're doing that. So all the prayers that we would normally do on Friday are going to shift to Saturday morning at 8. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you in about an hour, fishers of men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs, and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor 
will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. 